Get ready to experience and receive the grace you long for from the heart of God. Welcome to Scandalous Grace with Carla Swanigan. Carla is a wife and mother, international speaker, minister, and engaging storyteller known for her transparency with an impactful testimony of how God has transformed her own life. Her desire is to connect you with the heart of God and the truth of how He truly loves and sees you. If you're hurt, if you're broken, if you yearn for God's love and acceptance, let the healing begin. Now, here's Carla Swanigan. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Scandalous Grace. I am Carla Swanigan, your host here today. This is the show where we leave religion out of it and just bring Jesus. I'm so glad that you're tuning in today. Today on the show, we are going to be talking about the golden calf. And you're like, what? What is that all about? Well, um, it's actually a story in the Bible, if you can believe it. It's in the Old Testament. It's from the book of Exodus. So take out your Bibles or your Bible app on your phone, whatever you have handy with you today. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 32. Um, I like to talk about this stuff that totally blows me away. Some of these stories in the Bible, I'm just like, what the what were these guys thinking? You know what I mean? I'm like, they just, this is, I'll give you a little background. These are the people, the Israelites that had just been um, rescued. The God, um, God had set them free from Pharaoh, years of slavery in Egypt. And um, they've been set free. Here they are in the wilderness and they're going through the wilderness and um, they're on their way to their promised land, but they're not there yet. Right. And so they go through all these different things. I encourage you so much to read all about this in the book of Exodus. There's so many great stories in here. Um, but the one that we're going to focus on today is in your Bible, chapter 32, and it's titled in your Bible, probably the gold calf. And so what's going on with these people is, um, God is trying to draw them close. He's shown them over and over all these wonders in the wilderness, which is something we've talked about on the show recently. If you missed our show wonders in the wilderness with Amy Elaine Martinez as our special guest, um, you can hear that on our iTunes podcast, Carla Swanigan Ministries on iTunes, or you can watch it on our YouTube channel and you can find out all about um, those connections and those links. You can find all of that on my website, carlaswanigan.com. And that's Carla with the K. But we've talked about wonders in the wilderness and, and the things that the Israelites were already seeing from God. I mean, they had manna fallen from heaven and they had seen, you know, fire at night and cloud by day and all that stuff. And now Moses, their leader, who God had called to lead them through the wilderness um, out of slavery and into the promised land, God has called him up to Mount Sinai and he's going to give him the Ten Commandments. So if you've heard that story, it's all about where Moses first gets the Ten Commandments. But I do encourage you to go back and read some background on this in Exodus. It's so good. But in chapter 31, Here's where we're going to pick up, and I'm just going to skip around a little bit because there's so much here, but I just want you to get the major gist of what's going on. So um, Moses has been up on the mountain. He's been up there for a while because he's getting the Ten Commandments, right? So we're going to pick up 32 verse 1 of Exodus. When the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said to him, come make gods for us who will go before us because this Moses the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. Aaron replied to them, take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. 
So all of the people took off the gold rings that were on their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them, fashioned it with an engraving tool, and made it into an image of a calf. Then they said, Israel, these are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of it and made an announcement. There will be a festival to the Lord tomorrow. Early the next morning, they arose, offered burnt offerings, and presented fellowship offerings. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to party. It really says that in verse 6, they got up to party. The Lord spoke to Moses, go down at once. For your people you brought up from the land of Egypt have acted corruptly. They have quickly turned from the way I commanded them. They have made for themselves an image of a calf. They have bowed down to it, sacrificed to it, and said, Israel, these are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Okay, we're going to stop right there. There's so much to this story um, that you could get into, but I want to really highlight a couple of verses here. All right, verse 1 of chapter 32 says, When the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come make a God for us. Because Moses, the man you that brought us from the land of Egypt, basically he's taken too long, right? That's what they said. So they, they wanted another God. And then um, the other verse I want to highlight, because Moses has taken too long, they're making another God. The other verse I wanted to highlight is... Um, Let's see here. Yeah, it's verse four where he makes the calf and then says, Aaron says to them, Israel, these are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. All the people say that. So really, God's the one that brought them up from the land of Egypt. Moses was their deliverer that God anointed to do this. The leader that um, got anointed to bring them up and deliver them from slavery through the wilderness and into their promised land. But now because Moses is taken too long. Okay, because the people have decided, wow, you know what happened to him? This is taking way too long. I'm sick of waiting. They're like, uh, we need something else to worship and that we can call our leader because this has taken way too long to wait on him. So obviously we need something else. And then they went on to announce, oh, and this is now our God. This is actually what brought us out of the land of Egypt. And so in, I guess, everyday terms, the way I looked at this story is they needed a crutch, right? They needed something that they could lean on because God was taking too long. God was taking too long with their promise. God was taking too long with their deliverance through the wilderness. And they're like, oh, well, we need something. So they turned away from what God had provided for them and who God was, and they created for themselves a new God. And you guys, I have done this in my life. I cannot tell you how many times and how many examples I have of this. And I bet if you think about it, you might think of some examples of that too. I'm going to help you a little bit with that. Um, You're in the middle of waiting. You're in your wilderness, maybe like we've been talking about a lot lately. And you're waiting on God to bring that healing, to bring that deliverance, to bring that promotion, to bring that restoration of that relationship right? To bring that door of opportunity, your promised land that you've been waiting on. But man, it's been taking a long time, right? So what do you do? Do you turn to the word? Do you immerse yourself in worship music? Do you, do you dig in with the Lord and ask him what his fresh word for you is today or, or um, how he feels about your situation or ask him to comfort you or encourage you or give you fresh hope? That's what we should do, right? Um, That's the best way. But a lot of times we turn to other things to comfort us, to encourage us, 
to um, validate us. Um, we look to our healing for other things. Take, for example, this is a big one for me. I, I have totally done this super recently in the middle of my wilderness. Um, Netflix binging, right? Do you marathon your, marathon your Netflix shows ever? I totally do that. And there's nothing wrong with that, you guys. I'm not saying that Netflix is like the devil or anything crazy. What I'm saying is sometimes when I get bored of waiting on God to bring my breakthrough and I feel like nothing is happening, the way that I comfort myself or the way that I avoid looking at something that God's trying to deal with me about and grow me in my wilderness in, because I don't want to look at that, I'll just turn on a show and zone out, right? Have you ever done that? I will totally zone out. I will binge watch some show in my season of waiting because I don't want to look at the things that God wants to to show me or grow me through or maybe even bring some correction to me through, some conviction, some places that he wants me to be rid of in the wilderness so that when I get to the promised land, I'm not trying to bring that junk with me. You know, so Netflix is a thing. Um, another thing for some people is food. A lot of people um, will binge eat or they'll use food as a substitute. And I think in the church, in Christianity in general, food is like overeating of food or the substitution of food as a God in place of God is is sometimes like a, a sin that's like okayed in the church because, oh, well, it's not drugs and alcohol. You know, it's not porn. It's not infidelity. It's just food, but anything that we're using as a substitute for his presence, you guys, is an idol. It's a crutch, right? Just like that golden calf in the book of Exodus, um, food can be a crutch too. You know, God wants to fill you with his things, with his truth, with his love, with his comfort. And when we turn to food to do those things, that's still looking for another God. That's still having that crutch that's not him, right? And, you know, another thing, speaking of, is drugs and alcohol, you know, it's having that third or fourth glass of wine when you really only wanted one glass with dinner. Maybe you're um, even out celebrating with friends a birthday and you're having a glass of wine or, or having a cocktail and you have that second or third or fourth cocktail and, and letting that numb you instead of looking at the things, the pain that's in your heart that God's trying to get you to look at, not because he wants to punish you but because he wants to heal you, right? Or maybe it's taking that painkiller, that extra painkiller that you don't even need that's from your mouth surgery like two months ago. Or maybe from, um, you know, something else that, that you have less leftover medications from. You know, it's like, oh, I'll just, I'll just take a Percocet or an Oxycodone today because I'm having a rough day and I, it, it kind of just takes the edge off. That's you guys that is still having a crutch when God wants us to turn to him for our pain. He wants to be there. And I'm not talking about just physical pain. I'm talking about emotional pain when we're avoiding something and we're putting another God in his place where he wants to meet you in that emotional discomfort that you're feeling. You're feeling he's allowing you to feel that because he wants to heal it. Those things bubble to the surface because he wants us to look at it with him not alone with a bottle, you know, or a bottle of pills. God wants to be the one to heal you. Or maybe um, you're looking to fill yourself, um, your golden calf, your crutch, maybe it's a toxic relationship. 
maybe it's a relationship God's even asked you to lay down many times because it's not good for you. It is absolutely toxic, but you are looking to that relationship to bring you comfort and um, validation and even just company because you feel lonely. So you keep turning back to that same person and you're letting them try to step in and fill the shoes that only God can fill. You know, I was in a situation recently where I was at an event and um, one of my girlfriends who I love dearly and has always been there for me and been one of my biggest cheerleaders. Um, I, I spoke at the event and afterwards I was waiting for her to be like, oh my gosh, that was awesome. That really ministered to me. Um, I could feel, you know, God doing stuff in the room through your message, blah, 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 blah. And you guys, I got nothing from her at the end. Like it was almost like I felt like she was dismissing me instead of validating me at the end of that. And that hurt my feelings so bad. And I was really messed up about that. And I finally figured out, oh, I need to give this to the Lord. Like, let me, let me get some healing from him about this. And, and so I took it to the Lord and I was just laying it all out before him. And he's, he's like talking to me about it, you know, what's going on. And, and I was telling him, you know, she wasn't even telling me I did a good job and I was, I was getting nothing from her. And she's usually the one that always encourages me. And she's my biggest cheerleader. What's going on. That's so mean. And the Lord's like, yeah, Carla, you're not going to get what you need from her anymore. She can't give you what you need anymore. You need to look to me for that now. It's, it's maturity time, sister. You know, step up. You've grown up a whole lot, girl, but it's, it's time to step up a little bit more and get what you need from me. And in that moment, you guys, it took me several weeks. In that moment, I felt it in my heart. But I had to process that out with the Lord for several weeks to realize what he was trying to say to me there. It wasn't anything that my girlfriend was doing or not doing. It's not on her. She wasn't being mean to me. She wasn't dismissing me. She didn't think I did a bad message. It wasn't anything like that. The Lord was showing me that I was looking to her too much to get that validation and to get those accolades that really I needed to go before the Lord and say, Hey God, what'd you think about that message? Was it pleasing to you? What do you say about me as your daughter? You know, I was putting my identity into somebody else and into a relationship instead of looking to God, you know? And he's like, oh, you've made that friendship an idol in your life. And I'm going to help you with that. And he did. And and he's brought me along. So is there a relationship? It doesn't even have to be toxic. It can be a super godly, healthy relationship like my, my relationship with the, that girlfriend is. But if you're looking to that person, maybe it's your spouse. I mean, how many of us have done that? I've totally done that in the past. You know, I've looked to my husband to be who God is supposed to be to me. And you guys... That is going to be a lose-lose every time. It's a lose for you because it's not going to ever fulfill you and it's going to make you bitter and resentful towards that person who can't live up to your godly, ungodly, really, expectations. Um, and it's a lose for that person because they can't figure out why they can't ever make you happy. You know, have you had somebody say that to you recently? I just, no matter what I do, I can't seem to make you happy. Take a good look at that relationship. See how you've prioritized it. See what kind of pressure you've put on that person. Because we should only be looking to God to meet our needs, um, emotionally, spiritually, all those ways. God first, right? So look at your relationships. You know, I just want to ask you today, what is your crutch? What is your crutch? What is the golden calf in your life 
right now that God's asking you to look at. I just shared one of mine. I mean, that situation with my girlfriend happened really recently. That was really recent. And the Netflix thing, oh my gosh, I think that was like a couple of weeks ago I had that conversation with the Lord. So think about it. When we're in our wilderness season, it is so tempting you guys to look at everything else because we're tired of waiting. We look to everything else to be our savior, to be our rescuer, to be our deliverer. And God is saying, look at me. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Um, one of the verses that I wanted to read to you about this is in First Peter chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, turn to First Peter chapter 5. And we're going to be picking up in um, verse 7 and 11. First Peter chapter 5. Sorry, guys, I thought I was there, but I'm not. Here it is. First Peter chapter five, pour out all your worries and stress upon him and lead them there for he always tenderly cares for you. Be well balanced and always alert because your enemy, the devil roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. Take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kind of troubles you endure. And then, after your brief suffering, the God of all loving grace, who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ, will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Yes, he will set you firmly in place and build you up, and he has all the power needed to do this forever. And that's First Peter chapter 5. That's verses 7 through 10, 7 through 11. And that verse encourages me so much because it tells me at the beginning, put all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. Leave all of it with him. Look to Jesus, whatever you're going through in the wilderness. I get it, you guys. It's hard. And all that it means being in the wilderness is like being um, in a place of hardship or a place where you feel lonely and isolated or, or a place where you feel like you're not where you used to be but you're not where you're going to be yet either, right? Um, and God is saying, leave all your worries and anxieties with me. I'm the one that can help you with that stuff. Keep your eyes on me. And then I love in verse eight where he says, God himself will personally and powerfully restore you. When we keep our eyes on Jesus and look to him, he's the one that pulls us through and helps us get over whatever it is that we're struggling with, when we have that temptation to look for that golden calf, to look for that crutch, God's saying, no, sister, no, brother, turn your eyes to me and let me be the one that you look to. You know, um, I remember back when I first came back to the Lord several years ago, I, my, the biggest crutch that I had in my life was um, I had been through a lot of stressful things and I had started smoking. Like I picked it up as a casual thing in college, like what we used to call social smoking. Like you only smoke when you're out or you're hanging out with your friends or something like that. Um, and then it turned into, I was smoking when I would get stressed out, I would go grab a cigarette and then it progressed into, I would smoke when I was stressed out, when I was out with friends. And then also when something awesome would happen, I would go smoke a cigarette to celebrate. So then I'm smoking when I'm out socially, I'm smoking when I'm stressed, I'm smoking when I'm happy. Pretty much what that turned into was I was smoking all the time. And what that looked like in my life 
was I was smoking a pack of cigarettes per day. You guys, that is a lot of smoking. That's a lot of cigarettes. Um, I don't know if you've ever had, uh, if you're a smoker now or if, if you've ever smoked in your life, but a smoking a pack a day is a whole lot of smoking. And it had become a major um, addiction in my life, if you will. I had to smoke no matter what my mood was. You know, that's the first thing I turned to. Like I said, when something good happened, I want a cigarette. When something bad happened, I needed a cigarette. Um, when I was celebrating, I needed a cigarette. Like all the time with the smoking. And I came back to the Lord and um, I remember being at church one night and I would do the whole hide the cigarette smoke thing, the illusion that smokers live under that we can smoke and nobody else will smell it if we cover it up good enough. And I just want to tell all of you smoking, that is an illusion. I can speak from experience. We can still smell it. Um, I would spray hairspray on me. I would um, put breath mints in. I would do all kinds of stuff to get rid of the smell. And one night I was sitting in church and this lady was ministering to me about some stuff I was going through in my marriage. And this is right when I came back to the Lord and God was, you know, healing me of so many things. And that night in church, she said, hey, and also God wants to um, heal you and deliver you from your um, cigarette addiction. And I was like, what? Oh, no, I don't smoke. You know, I did the whole feign innocence thing because I'd sprayed on my my perfume and my hairspray and I had my breath mint in. So I thought nobody knew. And she's like, no, it's OK. Like, I'm totally like this is not a judgment thing. Um, she goes, God wants to heal you and deliver the, you from this because that's what you turn to instead of him when you're sad and when you're hurting and he wants to be your comforter. The Holy spirit is your comforter and God wants you to turn to him. This is about removing um, a crutch from your life that God really wants to be. This isn't about religion or legalism saying, Oh, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't smoke. This is about God. God wants to heal you. God wants to be your deliverer. God wants to be your only God. Right. And all those other things are are little mini gods that we try to put in replace of him. And he wants to be what you lean on. And that night, you guys, she prayed for me to stop smoking. And I'm telling you, I had been trying to quit smoking for years. And the main reason was I knew it was a bad habit. I knew it smelled bad. Um, I hated being addicted to something, to be honest. I hated anything having control over me. But also my dad died of lung cancer. And I did not want to get sick like my dad. I didn't want to die really early like my dad. I miss my dad so much. And I didn't want to do that to my kids. So there were physical reasons, there were spiritual reasons, all kinds of reasons. But when she said to me, this is not about religion. This is not about legalism. This is not about, oh, you have to not smoke if you want to be a good Christian. When she said, this is actually about God wanting to heal you and be your deliverer, that did it for me. And she prayed for me to be delivered of smoking and be free from that addiction. And that was May of 2007. And I have not smoked since. It's been over a decade, you guys. I have not smoked since. And God has been so, so good to me. And there's times that even um, the thought has come back to me. You know, you should um, smoke again. You know, she did that. And it, it's like totally disgusting and I don't want it. So, um God will deliver you from whatever it is that you're using as that crutch. Just ask him. Let him be the one that you turn to. Um, that saved my life like physically, but also it showed me how big of a God I serve, that he cared about every little detail of my life, even in 
even in my addiction, he wanted to come in and meet me there. So I don't know what it is that you're turning to, to be your golden calf, to be your crutch. But just like the Israelites, if you go on to read in this story, um, God really deals with them about that, you know? And um, Moses has to go up and do the commandments all over again. Like it's a whole other thing. I don't want to go around that mountain again, you know? Once is enough for me. I want to go through my wilderness and go into my promised land. And I know you do too. So lay those things before the Lord today. Ask him, what are you showing me, Lord, that I'm using as a, as a crutch in my life instead of you? Something, I, something I'm looking to instead of you. I want to read you um, Psalms 121. It's really the, the psalm that God put on my heart this morning to read over you. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. Psalms 121. I look up to the mountains and hills longing for God's help. But then I realized that our true help and protection come only from the Lord, our creator who made the heavens and earth. He will guard and guide me, never letting me stumble or fall. God is my helper. He will never slumber nor sleep. He is the guardian God for his people Israel. Jehovah himself will watch over you. He's always at your side to shelter you safely in his presence. He's protecting you from all danger both day and night. He will keep you from every form of evil or calamity as he continually watches over you. You will be guarded by God himself. You will be safe when you leave home and safely you will return. He will protect you now. He will protect you forevermore. Psalms 121. You guys, God is the one to look to. He's got your back. He is your deliverer. Pray and ask him to remove those calves of gold from your life. I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up everyone listening, especially people um, dealing with any kind of addiction. I pray right now that you deliver them from that addiction. You heal that wound and you draw them to you, Lord. I pray that you reveal to all of us what we are looking to instead of you, Lord, and you help us keep our eyes on you. We love you, Jesus. We give you all the glory in your mighty name and healing name we pray. Amen. Thanks, you guys, so much for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Thanks so much. And remember, leave religion out of it and just bring Jesus. We hope you were blessed by today's episode of Scandalous Grace with Carlos Wanigan. Please go to carloswanigan.com to listen to podcasts, see where Carla will be speaking, and to find out about all of Carla Swanigan Ministries' resources, including her video devotional series. Scandalous Grace with Carla Swanigan is a listener-supported radio ministry outreach. We depend on your prayers and donations. Please go to carlaswanigan.com for ways you can partner with Carla in reaching listeners with God's love and grace. Please join us again next Saturday at 4 p.m. for Scandalous Grace with Carla Swanigan.